0: Hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. My name is Kathleen O'Sullivan and I am the host of this show. And together with a wide range of legendary leaders and experts in the field of leadership of self and others, we are going to explore concepts and ideas that show you how you can move past potential fears, negative self-talk and constant doubts in order to encourage you to becoming a legendary leader yourself with far more natural impact, influence and inspiration. We want you to be you, to be at your best and to show up in the most authentic way. So are you ready for it? Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Legendary Leaders Podcast. Lovely to have you all here again. And today I'm talking to the wonderful coordinate McDermott. She is a powerful woman. And I mean by powerful, really inspirational, so much fun. Uh, she provides one eye opener after the other here in today's work and um, conversation. I want to introduce right away the two books that she has so far published and that lie right in front of me. Change Starts Within You is the first book. Unlock the Confidence to Lead with Intuition. A beautiful book to reflect upon your own priorities, on your own purpose, values, what's important for you, how we are showing up in every day's um, life in order to build a more meaningful and purpose life for us. And the second book that she recently published is Give Yourself Permission, Be Confident, Be Happy, Be You. And again, a wonderful guide to really step into your own power and to create the life that you want to live. Yeah, Courtney is the best example for it. I'm speaking to her today uh, when she's dialing in from Italy where she has her home, where she built a full life, really. And that is one of the topics we have been discussing today. What's the difference between a busy life and a full life? And No Honesty and Courtney, when you're listening to this, this is a slogan that I have literally nicked from her because it is so such a beautiful reflection. Yeah. Every day when I'm tempted to say, Oh, my day is so busy, I rephrase it into how full does my day feel today? And not full in terms of the to-do list gets longer and longer. No, that doesn't feel quite liberating and joyful. No, what gives me pleasure and joy? What offers me learning? Right, It's such a simple tool, but it's beautiful. She also highlights the concept of do what you really enjoy. So often, and I am falling into that trap here and there. So often I hear, well, You have to make sure that you do your job properly. Or at a certain age, you can't change jobs anymore. Who is going to accept you? Who is going to take you? And now you have to retrain. You are too old for that. And I think we could find so many other phrases and slogans that we may be telling ourselves or society is telling us. But what if we could change our limiting beliefs into open beliefs here that we can do whatever we are interested in doing, whatever brings us joy in the moment. And she gives some insights into uh, what she would like to do, what she is working on, on top of um, her current passions that she has in life. And I'm sharing some of mine as well, because I really want uh, you all to feel empowered to do whatever you're curious about. And to enjoy more fully. As far as I know, we only have this life. And I'm happy to be convinced um, differently. But this is my knowledge as it stands at the moment. So why don't we make most of it? Courtney also explains to us what it means to be miserably successful. Think about it yourself. When you hear the quote miserably successful, what do you do with that? What does it tell you? What feelings does it offer you? And we are also going to talk about making some clear changes in life. Not always do changes feel comfortable and nice and exciting. Sometimes they are the tough changes that we have to initiate and go through in order to really experience uh, the best of us and the best life that we can live. And she has a wonderful and very vulnerable example that she's going to share with us here today that I believe we can all learn from. So today, my dear guest is Courtney McDermott, who first rose to managing executive and MVP before leaving those elite positions to run her own businesses with clients and audiences at Universal Music Group, Google, Nike, and Virgin Unite. She helps the world's leading organizations and creatives to disrupt old patterns of behavior, grow healthy businesses, and apply the psychology and physiology needed for success. In her latest book, Give Yourself Permission, it was published in July 2023, uh, Courtney combines physiology and psychology to teach individuals how they can transform themselves and their mindset without doing anything and how they can give themselves permission to live life as their authentic selves. She is so enjoyable to talk to. And as I said earlier on, so much fun, sense of humor, great insights, knowledge, so much empathy and compassion. And I just can't wait for her to introduce herself. So why don't we pop over and listen to today's episode? Well, hello and welcome, Cord. It's so nice to see you again. Hello. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I am very glad that you are here as well, and you inspire me just by being there, sitting in front of this amazing stone wall. Where are you dining in from? Italy. And that's where you live, right?
1: Yes, I live in the north of Italy. And
0: you chose to live there?
1: Yes, I actually moved here over 20 years ago. Not to this town where I'm living now, but to to Italy.
0: Why am I asking those kind of questions for all of you listening out there? Because Courtney is really the point of contact, the person to talk about designing your life that you really want to live. That sounds also perfect and so wonderfully nice. Obviously, it always has a few obstacles that we may need to overcome. But I'm really inspired by how you live how you speak about your life, how you speak to other people. And when I came across your talks for the first time, your website for the first time, I had, in all honesty, goosebumps. And before I keep waffling on and talking about what I have seen and read and noticed, why don't you give a brief introduction to our listeners here?
1: Well, it's funny. I I often say I've lived so many lifetimes in this life. And so when we talk about designing your life, really, I think what we're talking about as well is designing the character that you're playing in any given moment, right? So I could talk about the character who lives here and who has this quaint place in the north of Italy and all the things I might do here. But then I could talk about the character that goes on the stage and talks to thousands of people about human potential or, you know, whatever that looks like. And I've changed that character many, many times. And I think what's interesting to note is that we can do that, right? So it's, you can play the character you're playing right now. You can play another character. The important thing to realize is you're not the character. So for me, Yeah, if I were to talk about what that version of me looks like right now, it is very much this living by design, as you were alluding to before, in the sense that we get to choose, we get to choose every moment. So today, for example, it's a public holiday here in Italy, my daughter's here, she's in the other room, we just finished chatting, now I get to talk to you. After that, we get to play some more, you know, whatever that looks like, and I think Rather than talking about accolades or titles or job positions or whatever it is that someone's done, it's much more interesting to kind of explore here right now, who are we? What What is it that we're looking at creating this very moment? You mentioned
0: characters. Mm-hmm. You know, I play a character. And when I hear playing a character and the topic, by the way, authenticity and being real and showing up as the real self is for me something I'm exploring more and more um, but when I hear play a character, I'm like, and is that authentic? Does that feel authentic? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how not to lose authenticity when you move in between different characters? So mm-hmm. I'm going to pass that thinking over to you, just to hear a little bit more about your experiences with those different characters mm-hmm. in combination with authenticity.
1: Yeah, I think well, that word gets thrown a lot around a lot, uh, especially incorporate, I hear that word all the time, you know, authentic authenticity. And it's kind of like, yeah, well, what is the truth of who you are? You know, if you explore that the truth of who you are is not defined by the epidermis, you know, of your skin, it's not defined by what you look like, it's not defined by what you do. It is kind of this boundless creative energy that exists within you and that can take on different forms. So if we were to really look closely at it that's kind of the truth <laughs> and it it's not just kind of metaphysical it's actually what science demonstrates as well. So when i talk about a character i think it can be very authentic in the sense that that is what the formless is expressing through your form at this moment. So i've been very curious about this recently because <laughs> Um, like, for example, I I actually yesterday I was had I was in an interview and I was calling it multiple personality order. OK, <laughs> um, I, I was calling it multiple personality order because, well, it's funny, actually, I didn't bring this up yesterday, but now it's spiking this. I'm, I, I don't know if you're familiar at all with multiple personality disorder. It's actually really interesting. I mean, people have heard of it, right? But there's so many studies on it that are absolutely fascinating. I mean, it's a it's a wicked disorder. I wouldn't wish anybody had 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 it. But what's interesting about it, what it reveals about human nature, is our ability to change within a second. So, for example, when someone changed or less than that, right? The minute you change your personality okay, it, then you will actually have even physical changes in your being. So some of the studies, for example, people with terrible eczema, it'll just vanish the minute they, they change personality. Um, someone who, I don't know, always goes this one way. But they're, they're, the studies are, are really phenomenal, but the reason I'm bringing it up is not that I'd wish multiple personality and disorder on anyone is that the person, when we talk about personality, Persona actually comes from it, it, the word. It comes from the masks they wore in ancient Greek theater. So we're walking around with these masks. You no, know, we're going around and saying, "I'm this kind of person. I'm that kind of person." What that tells me is this is the mask I'm wearing right now, and it's great. That is great. It's fantastic. I mean, that is the character that that we can play. That's the that's the ego. That's the lowercase self. But it's when we tap into, wow, there's so much more to me that we can start shifting and changing in ways that are even more authentic to the truth of who we are, because they actually reveal what this formless wants to express and how it can express through this form. And lots of times this is, you know, people say, well, I've seen you change so much, but yet the part of me that's always there is always there. Okay. (laughs) And it's kind of that beautiful kind of, I'm observing, I'm allowing this to happen. It's it. We could go deeper on this if you want, because lots of times people are really afraid of that change because to your point, it's like, well, that's not true to who I am. Well, maybe dig a little deeper. What is the truth of who you are? Because the truth of who you are is not confined by the, by the physical body. It's not, it's not within your, the mind, right? The truth of which you are is so much greater. And yet, of course, those things are fabulous instruments. I think it's important to not get
0: confused between the two. We definitely can go deeper and should go deeper. It's such, <laughs> no, it's such a, such an important topic. When you just said that it sometimes can feel I don't know which words you now use, but it can feel a bit hard to really um, kind of step into this truth of yourself, of really who you are. I had this this moment where I thought, to me, that was the most liberating moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm more in the opposite space where I want to hold on to it. So imagine sometimes that feels challenged and like I need to sacrifice this real me in order to satisfy perhaps other people's needs. And liberating is for me the word that I use quite often. Mm. And you are so aware of who you are and you can demonstrate it with those different masks that you wear, you know, in any hour of the day, perhaps. And it's wonderful. And I wonder what holds individuals back, in particular, what are you noticing in the work you're doing, that they stick to this completely different character not showing their real selves. Wow, there's so much packed
1: in there. I love this question. One of the things that I would highlight is the difference between performing and playing, like the performance mindset that so many of us have been inculcated with and playing. The other thing from your question that I would really love us to to sit with is, what is it that's holding you back? That's a fabulous question. What is holding you back from expressing yourself a little differently and maybe a little differently and a little differently? Is it fear of losing this semblance of control of this identity that you've created? I know for, for certain that I had that for a long time. Like I had created this, this identity. One of the ways I talk about it is I say, imagine you have a library you know, filled with just an infinite selection of books. And you could take out any book you want and you could experience the adventure in that book. But most of us, most of the time, we're taking out the same book. Okay, Every single day we go in that library, we take out the same book. And we say, you know, this is my book. And that book says, my name is this. I live here. This is my best friend. That's my girlfriend, my boyfriend, whatever whatever that looks like for you. This is my job. This is it. And we go and we, 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 we get to a point where we don't even distinguish ourselves from the book because that's our book. I mean, it defines us, right? And not only are we... Defined by it, you know, in our own minds, but we show that book to everybody. So we say, Mm -hmm. look, hey, this is my book, make sure that you recognize me as this character, right? Because (laughs) otherwise, I'm in big trouble. Now, why do we do this? To come back to your question, why do we do this? There are many reasons, but paramount amongst these is that we get some semblance of control in a totally uncontrollable universe. right? So we get some idea that this little thing here, this identity creation, I can control this. Well, we can't. And and that's absurd to think that we can, but it gives us this semblance. It gives us this false semblance and illusion of control. So it makes us feel slightly more comfortable, but the reality is it's not really comfortable. It's just familiar. And our brains really like familiarity. It's scary when we get out of that place of familiarity, but there's so much magic beyond that familiarity. So at first it's going to feel scary also because, well, this is how people know you to the point you made it a moment ago. Well, I I don't want to let anyone down. Right. So everyone's expecting this thing of me, but here's the thing that, that whole thing, right. It's very scary. Okay. Let me, give me, give you another example. Cause another way that I like to talk about it is if we're playing these characters, imagine you're in, you know, you're in this Great play, which we are. We're in the most incredible production that's ever been ever been put on, probably. And you know, you're there and you realize, oh wow, I'm just a character. So I could change character. Well, if you're in the middle of a play, you can imagine that if someone changes character, say they take their costume off and they want to put on some another one, right? That's going to make everyone around them highly uncomfortable. And it's going to make them pretty uncomfortable because making other people uncomfortable usually makes us uncomfortable unless we're sociopaths. So it feels uncomfortable, right? So It's getting past that discomfort, and I say a little bit at a time, and I can give specific examples of this, but it's once you get past that discomfort a little bit at a time, you can start changing character at will. Now, this doesn't mean multiple personality disorder. It means an order of these different uh, traits, expressions, et cetera, that you're allowing to emerge Because for example, say, you know, you're doing what I I just created a list today that (laughs) I have this, I have all these different things that I want to do in my career. And they're vastly different, like one from another, right? So there's, I've got a big list of things I so want to do in this lifetime. And, you know, as I was creating this, I was thinking, okay, I want to do these things. What does that mean? It means they're, because I feel them, I feel them. It's not like, oh, somebody told me I should do this thing, or this is an extension of what I'm already doing. They're. Wildly different, like I said. So you know, I mean, I I I want to be a professional singer songwriter. I want to, I've just decided recently I want to do some stand up comedy. I mean, I really, uh, <laughs> I really, I'm like, I gotta do that. I gotta give that. A I want to do that. Uh, you know, I've I've been writing nonfiction. I want to write some fiction. I actually started that. You know, there's all these kinds of things. I think you would be great at stand up, by the way. Um, you have the face for you, like 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 an awesome <laughs> fun face, like like totally cool. Like I could rock the stage face. That's you. So anyway, I have this. What does that mean? They're evolutionary. Imp- impulses that are coursing through me. Okay. Let me explain the difference, what I mean. So most of the time we get in, a lot of us get into a profession because that's almost, I want to say what was decided for us, but then what we also reinforce. So it's like, oh, I went to this school, so I have to do this thing. Okay. I, I studied law, so I have to be a lawyer. Okay. Um, I went, I went to hairdresser school, so that's pretty much, that's, that's my lot, you know, whatever, whatever it looks like for you. Okay. And when we actually say, well, what if I tried this other thing out? The difference between, okay, that thing seems, it feels imposed. And I keep going that way because that's the way that's been sort of preset for me, but it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel comfortable, uh, or I, it's just not doing it for me. Right. So, versus the evolutionary impulse. The evolutionary impulse will feel like a light on in you. It'll it'll light up something. It'll feel like, mm, this is juicy. This is yummy. I want to give this a shot, right? So when we start experimenting with that, like in my case, this ordering of these different personas, it's like, oh, okay, wow, we can just change these expressions at will, sl- you know, slowly get people used to it. But a lot of people will be a little shocked, but that's fine. That's sort of how we're playing. And here I go back to the other point, which is, and then and then I'll pass it back over, It's <laughs> playing versus performing, right? So we get so used to, especially in certain careers or certain things, it's like we're putting on a performance and you'll feel it because you'll feel pretty exhausted or you'll feel like it didn't quite hit the mark.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I used to be like this in my singing. I used to be very performance oriented. You know, I had to get it right. I had to do it this way. I had to do it that way. I had to be super prepared. Well, I am prepared. So it's like, stop, stop performing and actually start playing in this context. And it feels wildly different. And it's much to your beautiful point about liberation. It's very liberating.
0: And if I can add a point, when you are in this playing space, what I'm noticing is the impact you have on others is just completely different. Yes. If you perform, the focus is on you how you perform, how you may be coming across all of this. You are literally distracted when you play. There's a playfulness with others if others are involved in this moment. And there is the fun element in there as well that you describe in your second book as well, really nicely. And I love that you made it a chapter, by the way. And Mm. then you have this liberation again, the sense of flow, the sense of not taking ourselves too seriously and Again, if you work with others in the moment, you focus on the others as well. You read the room, you see what's important for them. And that creates a lot of impact. People will notice that and they feel more drawn to you as well. Mm -hmm. And that's key. Another point with regards to the playfulness that you mentioned, I love a bit of playfulness, I have to say. You mentioned that when you were to play, for example, let's say in the theater and you would change character unexpectedly in it in between. Unless you are a sociopath, this could be really surprising to others and that feels highly uncomfortable. But you can uh, overcome this discomfort with small steps. Now, there's also something around being more at ease with yourself and being more playful. And I think there's something about getting the people on board Like with improvisation theater and so on and so forth, that's the expectation, right? We change characters, we change things about the whole play in the moment, Mm -hmm. but we are all on the same page and we are looking forward to being surprised. And I think we are not necessarily always set up for that fun part in reality because of everything you shared, those norms, the expectations by society, the expectations we have on ourselves that also come from somewhere, they have an origin somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So how can we get slowly but surely? What are these small steps that take us into this more playful space again? Yeah. I'm handing over the bet to you.
1: <laughs> oh well, I feel one of the one of the quotes I'm reminded of as you're talking is this, it's from Warren Buffett. And I think it's something along the lines of don't test the depths of the water with both feet. In other words, don't try to figure out how profound, how how deep the waters are by jumping straight in. Okay. (laughs) You might not be able to get back out. Now I've jumped at various times in my life. I've jumped and I've just gone for it. But a lot of times in my life, I have really dipped my toes in and seen what this could look like because sometimes it's just downright scary. So I remember, for example, when I was working in corporate and I had worked my way up in corporate. I'd started an entry level position. By the, I think it was four years in, I was, an ex- I was an executive in the management part of the management team, executive management team. And it came to a point where I just, and I wrote about this a little bit in my first book because I was miserably successful. You know, I had all of the all of the gold stars, but my life wasn't shining. I wasn't shining, and I really wanted to experiment with what it could look like to do something else to leave the so-called comfort which was not comfort like I said it was just familiar of that style of life and start experimenting with what was calling in me for expression so for example at that time one of the things that was calling within me was a writing I was like oh you know I just I want to write and it was funny because my boss told me I I I was heading up corporate communications for a number of brands in our largest portfolio, but I had had no formal training in corporate communication. So I asked my boss, Hey, can I go to this conference and get some training? And my boss's response was, oh, Okay, I'll get you some training, but not at that conference. I want you to go to, you know, I don't know. He sent me someplace that was uh, really subpar, but I wanted to go to this conference. So there was this possibility to submit a research proposal. If they liked it, they let you go. So And I thought, well, what have I got to lose? Uh, They they let you go pretty much free of charge. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll just, I'll try. You know, and it was for the Corporate Communications Institute of New York. And I said, I'll just give it a shot, right? So in my spare time, I write this proposal. I send it in. They approve it. They tell me I can write the paper. I can come to the conference. Now, I get to this conference and I'm thinking, man, my paper is crap. But I did this thing. I was testing out the waters. I wanted to do some writing. I wanted to start writing more. And uh, and I go there, and I remember thinking, "Wow, I just I don't belong here. These people are real corporate communications professionals. I don't know what I was doing, et cetera, et cetera." And on the, I think it was yeah, the second or third night, and my presentation was due the last day, the final day, the day after. uh, We're sitting at this gala dinner, and they announced that my paper won the best paper award. But it didn't even register. It didn't even register in my mind. I was pouring water for everyone at the table. And I didn't, it, for me, it was like, I, they didn't, it was like, I did not hear my name. Okay. But anyway, then I, then I realized, cause everyone was kind of poking me and there's a, you know, you can stop pouring water now and go up and get this award. <laughs> so I go and get it. And then the next thought I'm thinking is, Oh, geez, how do I tell my boss that I did this thing that he told me not to do? That was right? your first thought. Or it, was one, it was one of my it was one of my first thoughts. I was like, "Whoa!" First of all, I'm not expecting it. But, okay, thank you. I don't know what to say. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I guess I, you know, I mean, what do you say? I don't know. I was just like, I was so wholly unexpected. In fact, the photographer said that was the first time he'd ever seen anyone who truly was not expecting to receive. An award. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was flabbergasted. But anyway, um, because I, here I was listening to all these research papers, and I thought these people. I mean, they're like the real deal. But anyway, so funny, right? The way we uh, anyway. But you see, it was like a breadcrumb. So when I then went back to my boss, I I thought he was going to fire me, but it was actually worse because I got promoted. So (laughs) I ended up having to take on this whole other area of our business based on what I wrote about. So I didn't know that life was going to take me there. I was experimenting. I was dipping my toes in a little bit at a time. I was working on that paper in my nights, my evenings. Just before my ba- daughter was born, it was like I was just going to give this a shot. Then later, I was like, maybe I'll start a blog again. Spare time, just working on this thing. When I decided to leave corporate, I actually had gave them like six or seven months to replace me because I was I had a team. I was holding a lot of different hats. I was I was wearing a lot of different hats, and I was um, I wanted to give them that time. So I didn't just. Again, there have been times where I've jumped and I've left 100%, and I'm not saying that's a a bad way either, but really feeling into it and saying, let me take this a little bit at a time where I experiment with these things without thinking that I have to completely revolutionize my life or say that person did it, I couldn't, right? Rather just say, okay, I'm feeling this, this impulse coursing through me. Can I experiment with it in some way? Are there some things that I can do to feed this... Again, evolutionary impulse. And it's a a really fun thing. It it becomes really fun. And you begin to get more confident about it. And We can talk about confidence later if you
0: want. Mm -hmm. There's so much we can talk about. Uh, Hard to keep up here with all the golden nuggets that you share. (laughs) First of all, I want to thank you. Because I I give you an example. Uh, Over the last months and years, I had so many ideas what I want to explore professionally. And it doesn't mean I want to give up one for the other. But I am hugely interested, I'm so jealous that you're in Italy, in red wine. Mm. And I would love to be a professional in that space. So harvesting, getting your hands dirty and really going to a proper harvest and work for a few weeks in a winery would be my dream coming true. But then really becoming a proper um, wine connoisseur, right? is definitely high on my list. But I also know I'm pretty good and, and know quite a bit about interior design. Now I'm in the leadership space. That is something I enjoy and and I love doing. And there's so much more. And when I fall into that space of thinking about it, I'm like, no, you're getting distracted. You need to focus on X, Y, and Z. Because I have always been very, very performance-driven, right? But my curiosity doesn't quite stop me. Mm -hmm. And I have this inner, I call it that tickly feeling, what you described earlier on as well. I'm like... There's a reason why it's still on your mind. There's a reason why you get goosebumps thinking about it. Mm. There's a reason why you don't uh, think first about what money will it make and more, oh, what will you take away from it? How will you enjoy it? And all of this kind of stuff. And these are signals that I learned not to suppress anymore. Now, have I explored all of this already? No, but it's definitely on my list as well, right? Now I'm coming back to the actual point. I know quite a few individuals, groups of people out there, who are maybe more in that space where you have been, going from assistant to executive, and are well, like, now I'm proud of what I have achieved, mm. but actually, the life that I'm living now might not be the life that I really want to live because it's hectic. You described it. You sit on a private chat, um, with a BlackBerry in your hand, right? It is the intro story basically to your first book, and how that felt to you having a, a small child at this moment or in this time and so on and so forth and I think a lot of individuals find themselves there mm-hmm. but they sit somewhere at an airport and I've been there as well and you are like yep the money is in the bank the title is there the status is somewhat there yeah I get a sense of pride and then you have these massive lows in between where you feel mm-hmm. lonely you feel lack of content, you feel dissatisfied. In my case, you let go of your health, your well-being, all of this juicy stuff that's happening. And it feels from time to time, for some, maybe often, really hard to get out of it. What was the process for you at any point of time where you created change to feel some more lightness about initiating the change? Mm, It's such a good question. And there's
1: again, so much packed in there that I, I I feel like we're both like, Oh, there's so much I want to explore and trying to stay on track (laughs) with the, the last question, which is how did I start to, so I was very rigid for a very long time in my life and very controlling and really wanting to have everything fit neatly into this package that I had created of who I thought I was. So I get exactly what you're talking about and what a lot of high performers are talking about when they say, man, I can't just, I can't just go become a sommelier. Like I've got this whole business built up. What what am I talking about? You know, or whatever the case may be. Now I'm going to give specific examples of how I've done that. But before I give those as ways that helped me become much more flexible and relaxed about change. There's another point that I think we need to pay attention to, which is, it's actually from the Bible. Have you ever heard of the parable of the talents? No. It's been a long time since I've visited uh, the Bible, but I love any spiritual text. I feel like there's so many, so many lessons and learnings for us. And while you were talking, I was reminded of the parable of the talents. And also I was reminded of another uh, quote from the Bible of if you bring forth what is within you, what you bring, what you bring forth will save you. If you don't, it will destroy you. And the parable of the talents goes something like this, which is God gives these talents to, I, I believe it's three different people. So talents, by the way, the translation was uh, currency. It was kind of money. Currency, by the way, is means flow, right? But it was they were actual tokens, right? But talents, if we think about them in terms of the way we describe a talent right now is uh, that's what the parable is really about so he gives them these talents and he gives 10 i believe to the first and he gives something five to the second let's say and he gives one to the last one again i might be botching this a bit but the, the central idea is there so he comes back after a period, and he asks the the one he had given ten talents to. He said, "How did it go? How did it go on with you, with the talents that I give you?" And he says, "Oh, it was marvelous. I I doubled the talents. I learned so much from these talents, and I was able to actually multiply, you know, and double them. and And it's just it's fabulous. And so God gives him double the amount that he has at that point. And then he goes to the next, and he says, "Well, how did you get on?" He goes, "Well." Yeah, I also got on pretty well. I I, I didn't quite you know, double them, but I I have more now. I, I learned a lot about these. And so God gives him a few more as well, and a couple more. And then he goes to the last who had one talent assigned. And he says, how about you? And he says, man, I couldn't figure out how this thing worked. I just, I, I didn't even, I didn't even give it a shot. I, I don't know. And so God takes that one talent away. The reason why I'm sharing this story is we have these diamonds in us. We have these, again, I I don't want to keep repeating the same word, but they're evolutionary impulses. And what we are here for is to explore those. And if we do, they will multiply many times over. They will compound. It's the miracle of compound interest. If we don't, what happens is we slowly begin to stagnate. And to your point, we get really frustrated. And there's these spaces in between where we're like, what is this? Who wrote the script? You know, what am I doing? So when I was in that space, and this is to answer the second part or as best I can, when I was in that space of what the heck is going on and who wrote this script? and I want to, you know, figure this thing out? One of the biggest things that I started to do was move a lot more. I started to get way more physical. And there was a specific exercise that I talk about in my first book uh, called shaking. And I learned about this from a practice called Koya, the woman who taught it, this woman, Rochelle, beautiful, beautiful soul. She was talking about when she first learned it and the the messenger that shared it with her said, imagine a, a gazelle being chased through the wetlands by a tiger. However, the gazelle gets away. The gazelle does not go to therapy for the next 10 years about this time where the tiger was chasing her through the wetlands. What the gazelle does is she shakes to every part of her body, releasing the tension, releasing the fear, and she goes back to being a gazelle. Now, what I didn't know in that time of my life before I started this practice was not only had I had a lot of fear and tension just stuck in my physical body but I had a lot of the programming the conditioning and the character constraints that were literally forming or sorry informing my form. So just the simple act of shaking which I started to do fairly consistently I was shaking through every part of my body and just to give you an idea when I started this there were parts of my body I couldn't really shake at all like I couldn't shake my legs fully I couldn't I it was it was Wow, when I look back, I think, man, how much I was just, how much stuck, stagnant energy I had in my physical being that told me it has to be this way. So it could be shaking, it could be going for a walk, it could be going for a run, whatever it is, I would say multiply it by however many times as you can, take as many breaks as you can to really get physical, because that's going to help you start to see that other options exist for you than what you might be currently allowing yourself on the level of the mind so the physicality piece is really crucial. The other and supremely crucial piece is get quiet, like really get with yourself. Start really listening to yourself. You know, and this takes some discipline to 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 quote from Joseph Campbell, but it's this idea that like I'm really going to start listening to me first. <laughs> I'm going to start with and I'm going to clear up the muck that's kind of in the way of hearing that wisdom that lives within me, I'm going to do what it takes to clear that out so that I can start thinking, speaking, behaving, moving from that intelligence versus what someone else says or what society says or whatever that looks like. And again, that inner quietude will create a A sense of knowing about where you're going, and it'll be like people will say, "What are you doing?" I mean, people said this to me so many times. Well, what do you mean you're going to do this other thing over here? And I'm like, "Oh, I'm I'm going rogue. Like I don't know. Let's see, you know." (laughs) But I knew really deep down I was listening to this truth that was becoming ever more present and ever clearer within my being. And the more I do that, the more, quite frankly, what what looks like maybe would look like miracles uh, occur. So those are two of the things that I would say really helped me start to tune into that. And they're probably the I would say the last one, and I really train on this a, a bit in the book, in the second book is the mind is really starting to learn how to direct your mind differently so that you can also quiet all the other noise and begin to hear and source more from that intelligence we're talking about. So. Yeah, that's how I
0: that's how I did it in a nutshell. You brought a little memory back for me. Um when I was in my last corporate role and I was, I wouldn't say dissatisfied, the last corporate role was actually um all right, but I was highly overworked. I was pretty exhausted. Um, I had enough, it's fair to say. And at the same time, went through on and off breakups and so on and so forth. And I remember this opportunity was given to me to travel with a group on a a yoga um, trip, basically. And one of the teachers and participants, she gave a course, and I don't know what it was called anymore, body something. That was about shaking your body, but Mm -hmm. not shaking in the sense of rhythmic changes, no, uh, instructions on getting your body to shake. And I was curious about it. I had no idea how that would work and what looked like. I can still feel me lying on the mat in the end, sobbing. Yes. And sobbing for, I think, I don't know how many hours after the session. And I had absolutely no idea where that came from. Now, years later, I make sense of it. But how many emotions and restrictions and constraints that I put up on myself have come out in this moment pain, sadness, but that was powerful. So yes to shaking your body and yes to movement. As you highlighted, it requires discipline because for some people it might feel hard to take half an hour just to go for a walk, Mm -hmm. even less than that. But we've got to look after ourselves. Well,
1: I think the question is at the end of the day, right, I mean, we're here today, we're gone tomorrow. How are you feeling right now? What's actually happening in your being? Are you happy to be here? Are you able to look at what's happening around you and say, "Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting." without letting any of it really taint your experience to to that point that we call suffering? Are you able to are you able to keep your head while well, all about there are all about you are losing theirs to quote from a famous poem? Are you able to do that? And I think if you realize over and over, no, I'm not. Well, then something needs to be examined and shifted. You know, when people tell me, they say all the time, oh, you must be so busy. You know, you have such a prolific body of work out there. You must be so busy. And one of the things I always say back is, oh, I'm not busy at all. I don't do busy. I don't do it. I absolutely refuse. I've I removed that word from my lexicon years ago. And I will often joke that busy is for bees. And I just don't do it. I'm not interested. I'm My life is full of things and situations and people that I love, that I enjoy thoroughly, but I am not busy. And if I need to drop anything at any moment, I have created the freedom to be able to do that. Now, if I had stayed in the life that was prescribed and in part, in great part self-prescribed, I wouldn't have that freedom. Now, there's nothing special about me. There really isn't. People might listen and say, oh, you know, she did it or whatever. Well, The reason that you're hearing this and if it's resonating is because it's a possibility for you. It's a reminder that, hey, maybe actually we don't have to follow these, these prescribed notions and, and all of that. And maybe there are these really simple ways that we can start freeing ourselves. I'm really glad that you brought up that you had that experience with shaking because it reminded me of the first time I did it. And it was funny because at the time they had had some, somebody send me that video that I referenced when I mentioned it and same exact experience I finished. And I just couldn't stop crying because there was so much pent up in me. I didn't even know. I didn't even know. So it's a little bit of time. Like the, the game is not about getting anywhere. It's not about achieving anything. It's about freeing yourself to be everything you can be, which is actually infinite. So this kind of gets funny, but it's like, let the form experiment, let it play. I know it's scary. It was scary many, many times for me too, <laughs> but it's also deeply liberating when we allow it. And then it becomes really fun. And sometimes still very scary. I mean, I make decisions even now. Sometimes I'm like, oh, uh oh. Like I said a, a minute ago, like, I'm going rogue. I don't know what's gonna happen here. Okay. But this is also trusting. This is learning how to trust life and trust those creative and evolutionary impulses that we were talking that we've been talking about.
0: What was the scariest
1: decision you have ever made? Getting a divorce. It was the scariest, most frightening thing, and it took me years. Um and also years in the separation. And it was so scary to me. I had been married for uh, 18 years and it was like, hmm, yeah, it's time. But it, that time, it I mean, it dragged on cause I was, I was scared out of my wits for so many things, but I just kept again, bit by bit, by bit, moving into, moving into this and, Goodness gracious! Am I happy I did? Am I happy I did? But it's on the other side when you realize. Well, and even not even on the other side. It, it's also during. Have you ever seen that movie Tangled? You know, it's like the modern day Rapunzel. It's a it's a cartoon. It's called Tangled. Oh man, you should watch it. I, I well, with my daughter, I've seen all those ones. So Tangled, probably for a lot of listeners, they've watched it. It's a it's a great movie. I think it's Pixar. Anyway, there's this point where Rapunzel finally frees herself from the tower, which Mm -hmm. is basically a prison where she's living with someone who claims to be her mother, but isn't actually, not that I want to, no spoiler alerts, you figure this out really early, almost immediately in the movie, (laughs) but she gets down with her long, beautiful hair and everything. And she gets down and she's running. She's like, "What? I'm free. And then she's what have I done? Oh my God, right? She goes from these she's just freaking out that she she's so excited. she's so happy and yet she's so scared like, oh my God, now I'm out here. What am I going to do? right? And it's like that a little bit. it's it's a little bit this whoa, this is amazing. and oh my God, it's so I'm finally allowing myself to embrace the truth that I have no control. I have no idea what's going to happen. and really nothing that I do is, is, um, you know, there's an expression, but it's funny. I, there are two expressions that I really am more and more every day in love with. One is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Right? So I just love this. I love it. Cause it was so much of my life where I was like, you know, you're supposed to know something. No, I don't know. I don't know. I I'm, I'm like everyone else uh, doing the best I can. I don't know. You know, I love that. I don't know. You know, that's funny. Uh, And then the other one is nothing matters. Now I used to think, Oh, what a terrible expression. Nothing matters, you know, but actually nothing like this space, this thing that we can't define that we can't act totally describe. We don't really know what it is, is the wellspring from which all matter emerges. So if I'm really grooving with this space, Again, we call it space. We could give it many different names. I, I like to call it intelligence. You could call it, I like to call it God. I, you know, I, you could, they're called by many names. But when we're grooving with it, it's like, oh, wow, all of this material, and slash, uh, when I say material, also experience is emerging from this quietude, from this, from this space, from this thing that is seems like nothing, but it's really everything. So when I say nothing matters, I really mean nothing matters it creates matter it creates your physical reality so it's like these two things i'm really grooving with and so going back to your question of uh the hardest thing i didn't know what was going to happen but good lord am i happy i
0: i i went with it yeah I may stay there for a minute, not necessarily going into the details of a divorce, no, but into the details of the situation, of the feeling, of the mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And it may feel different to different people in the moment. But from my experience, I have never had a divorce, but I have had tough breakups in the past. And for me, the experience when I was the initiator of the breakup was it feels... Too hard. And the feeling of being out of it and having freedom, whatever the freedom is, feels much more relieving than staying with it. So the pain of staying with it felt stronger than anything else. And I had the sense of that, a real inner urge that it's got to happen now. And I wonder what the experience was for you in any tough situation that you had or any tough decision you made in life. How did you recognize, now I've got to make this change happen? Today's podcast is sponsored by Inner Professional online training programs. With courses geared specifically for legendary leaders, Inner Professional provides an extraordinary catalog of leadership and professional development programs, unlike any online training you've experienced before. Hone your conscious and authentic leadership skills with peer group networking communities, direct engagement with life experts, and a wealth of compelling, easy-to-engage, on-demand content. Learn more at KathleenMerkel.com slash innerprofessional. Yeah, I think for
1: me, most of the time, it's been multiple cold shower moments and a deep reckoning with myself and the stories i was telling myself so for example one of the stories that i had was telling myself in the divorce or the you know the decision of separation divorce was what's going to happen with my daughter is she going to hate me <laughs> is she going to think i'm oh you know uh, is whatever there's all these narratives, right, or all these things? And by the way, I mean it wasn't just me. Uh, I think my husband was very aware that we also needed to transition, and I will call it a transition because you just change form, which is inevitable. We're changing form all the time, um, but it's how you do that. And so this this decision d- became a very mutual decision, but it at the beginning and even throughout, I was like, well, what's going to happen? And is she going to struggle? Is she going to, is she going to hate this? Is she going to, you know, whatever that, whatever those stories were, there were so many stories. And also with my in-laws and my, you know, whatever the people around all these things, what are they going to think? What are they going to think? What's going to happen? Right. And this is one of the biggest things that really trips us up because we are social creatures and again, going back, you know, if we're not a sociopath, we care, you know, we really care and we don't we don't want to upset the people around us. Um, but at the same time, it's also survival instinct, because if you don't accept me on a very primordial level, what that means is ostracism. What that means is banishment. And what does that translate to? If we look deeply within our tissues and our DNA, it means death. So it is the one of the most frightening decisions when we decide that no matter what anyone might think, we really have to trust our own intelligence on this one. It's really, really scary stuff. But luckily, what with what we're living right now with our current reality, of, you know, the way our for most of us, the way our environments are set up, is like, you're not gonna die. You're gonna struggle. you're gonna go through some difficult things. But here's what I realized in that deep reckoning with myself about these fears that I had. They weren't true. They weren't true. Because if I had to look really closely at it, as a mother, the most important thing to me is more and more, and it's so clear to me now, is be the example. Do I want her living a self-sacrificing, also in a relationship where you feel that there's not alignment, where you feel that there's not... Um, the kind of love that you might want, you know, whatever that looks like. Do I do I want her to say, hey, just so that I don't rock the boat and, I, and I'm too afraid of what other people might think. So I'm not going to go and actually do this thing or become, move into this thing that I'm not doing to hurt anyone, mind you. I'm doing because I know it's the right thing to do. So the point that you were making earlier, of like I just got to this point where you just realized there's no way out of there. This is the way I've got to take this step. Would I rather her see that example and potentially mirror that example or this other one that stays trapped and starts essentially really dying? Because again, here's also when you don't allow what, that to come forth. Do I, which one? And in that deep reckoning, I knew it was very clear to me which one I wanted her to see, which example of a woman I wanted her to see. And so, like I said, multiple cold shower moments as well as this deep reckoning required me to take those actions if i wanted to live fully if i wanted to live a full and fulfilled life that's what i needed to do now that's my case personally and i have another you know view on it as well and it's 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 aligned with it which is you're not doing any of this to hurt anyone or uh you're not doing any of this out you're actually for once, not doing it out of fear, you're doing it out of love. You're doing it out of love. You're doing it from that intelligence and from that awareness of that intelligence that is speaking through you, that is yearning to, to be all that you can, you know, that, the yearning to be all
0: that can be through this form, if that makes sense. It makes so much sense. And, you know, when you speak, You showed in every part of your communication how much Mm -hmm. it makes sense to you. When you mentioned, um, I don't know, and this has become your favorite phrase, Mm -hmm. the childlike joy in your facial expression was just divine, seriously. So you really live and breathe it. And that that brings me to the question I'm just really curious about. So what do you fill your life with?
1: Ah, I've never gotten that question. I love that. Oh, what do I fill my life with? Well, let's see. I am now at a point. It's really fun. Uh, well, it's okay. I I don't mean that in fun, like, oh, I'm you know skipping around, although maybe that's how you're gonna find me in a few years from now. but I but it's it's fun in the sense that I'm really open and curious now, way more than I ever was before. So even though there might be a lot of things planned for me during the day and a lot of other people, I mean, I've got like two people who have access to my calendar and they're like, oh, by the way, remember that you've got this thing because I literally will get a little uh, mixed up with the the whole space time continuum thing. But I get up and most of the time I just feel like, "Whoa, I'm so excited. i I'm excited. I don't know. I don't know what I'm so excited about. It's not like there's a particular thing that I'm excited about, or I think going oh, you know, on. I'm going this place or that place. It's just like, man, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I have no idea what's going to happen. You know. And I think it's relinquishing this. It's really relaxing, okay, and relinquishing that illusion of control that we start to access this kind of excitement and. So in my days, though, there are things, again, I call them disciplines It helps me sort of stay on track. There are things that I know that when I do them, generally speaking, they help me stay attuned with this frequency. They help me stay connected, I guess, although we're always connected. But let's say they help me sort of groove with this intelligence, right, that's that's that is the you know same one that's <laughs> managing the rotation of the the planets and the beating of your heart right it helps me sort of stay in that alignment so there are things that i will definitely say but i don't have fixed times for them or anything but i'll be like okay i got to get out in the woods i got to get out in the woods i got to go by the river and put my hands in there and i got to um but not because i have to in the sense of but it's like oh i feel that you know this is this is part of what is what keeps me in that alignment or i might sit down and write a song or play my play my guitar or Um, hang out with my daughter and just chill in bed or read a book or whatever. And I will do many of these things in the arc of a day, but then I'll also do a lot of other things that are related to my current profession, perhaps, you know, and I don't let any of that really say, okay, it needs to be like this and I need to do it in, in in this way. And and when I talk to this person, I have to make sure that this message comes out, you know, like none of that is there anymore. And it's so beautiful to be able to finally relax like that and i think actually this is where if you want to talk about it it's where true confidence comes from it's that trusting and it's relaxing into that trust which anyway we 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 have to do with pr- virtually everything in our lives and it's somewhat ludicrous that we don't do it with everything but we fall into that trap it's okay it's human yeah you just make
0: me i guess so too and at the same time you open up our minds and our hearts today for the possible because Mm. you really made me think you know I have somewhat I say somewhat of a routine to keep my frequency frequency or to reconnect but I said with my frequency because I've experienced it when you live more presently you experience flow more often how indeed the universe has got your back and how it feels easier to trust. And the more I hustle, the more I lose that. Mm-hmm. And now there, you, you might get a lot of advice. Or I have received a lot of uh, advice how I can build rituals into my life and yada, yada. yada. And there always seems to be like a process mm-hmm. and a structure Mm -hmm. and like this is simply not possible for me because every day is kind of uh, different to say in the morning I do that and then I do that and I do that and sometimes I'm just on the mood to do that first thing in the morning and I really struggle with that and when you just say you know I might do it at different times and it might look differently but I know exactly what feeds my soul you didn't say feeding my soul but that's what I'm using now what feeds my soul in this moment that's the key Yeah. And immediately I had a massive sense of ease just by listening to you and asking myself the question, why am I so rigid about these things?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, it's a trap that we so easily fall into because the routine gives us, again, that sense of safety. That sense of safety is an illusion. And what happens with the routine is it reinforces the character to a point that you forget that you're playing the character. So it's funny. They did these observational studies years ago. I can't recall the uh, what group studied this, but it was, it was fascinating. What they did was they actually had, they filmed people throughout their day, okay? And then they did this for, I think it was about a year or something. And then they superimposed all these films and it looked like a single day. So 365 days of the year looked like a single day virtually because they got up at the same time. They brushed their teeth in the same way. They made their bed in the same way. They drove their car in the same direction to get to work. They got to work. They, you know, bustled and hustled around with the papers, whatever, whatever that looked like. Okay. But the point was they were reinforcing an identity. And if you look at it, even in terms of your thoughts, Right. What we know from the science is we're having somewhere between 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day, most on average, most people. And for most people, those are the same thoughts every single day. And all those thoughts are saying, I'm this. And then they say, Well, I can't change the thoughts. Uh, I just can't. They've invested, we've invested, we invest so much energy into making that our default pattern that, of course, initially it requires even sometimes enormous effort, but lots of times just making those subtle adjustments like, hey, you know what today, maybe I won't make the bed. It reminds me a little bit of a Truman show when he's like, we if I go this other way, what's gonna happen? Right? Like I'm gonna trip him up. It's a little bit like that. It's like just just play, experiment with ways that you don't have to just keep this rigidity that you know that you were talking about that we've been talking about. Because that's when, again, all these different potentials and possibilities start to open up and there's a lot more flow.
0: And then, I mean, you know about self-help books, right? And developmental books. Then you read the book about the Navy, Neals and Navy Seals. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you, you read that the first thing you should do is to make your bed because it gives you a sense of progress and that gets you motivated into the day. I mean, there's so much advice out there that you may just blindly follow and I say blindly I'm not saying the advice is all bad and all of this but you know your situation best and you know yourself best so it's important that you really feel into yourself to figure out what feels good for me right now and I think you highlighted that in I always keep referring to your first and your second book so your first book is change starts within you so that's the title and I think you talk about how we get basically, how we keep ourselves busy, mm-hmm. yeah, working a lot and so on and so forth, social media, let's scroll and scroll and scroll, to not feel. Yes, and yes. And isn't that, yeah, yeah sorry. You, you no, go, 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 <laughs> go. But isn't it where it all starts to feel in order to, I don't really want to say make decisions, that sounds already Richard again, but in order to. Live more fully. Yes, yeah. so I'm sorry. You you call it? No, I, I love that because this is one of the pieces
1: that we, it, it's so easy that this can happen to us. I call it filling, not to, so you don't have to feel. Mm. So you fill up and there are socially acceptable ways to fill up. You know, oh, he works so much, poor mm. dear. Okay. There's socially acceptable ways to fill up could be with excessive anything, anything, anything. And then there are those not so socially acceptable ways, might be alcohol, might be drugs, might be might be food, you know, where people sit, but it's just like, oh my God, I have to fill so I can just numb a little bit so I don't have to feel. Social media is like that uh, lots of times. Doesn't have to be, but lots of times it is. Now, precisely to your point, if anyone tells me, here's what you have to do, I pretty much automatically stop listening. <laughs> and because how could they possibly know what I have to do? I don't even know what I have to do. <laughs> and I have people from all over the world, you know, I have, you know, forget corporate 500, corporate 50 executives come and say, you know, what do we do here? And I will always say, hey, I don't have your answers. But guess what? You do. So if we start to clear away the distraction, we start to clear away the muck, we start to free you of what has been sort of just compressing and depressing this energy. Well, guess what? You could go anywhere. And that is the real truth. So when we start to awaken to those possibilities, and a teacher will do that, an educator the word to educate actually comes from edure, which is educe, which is an archaic term that we don't really use that much. It's not induce, it's educe, which means to draw forth the genius of others. I add that second part on. That's what an educator should do, to draw forth the genius of others. The genius is in you. You know, once upon a time, the word genius, it was never used to describe a person. It was the genius was working through that person. The light the intelligent the intelligence the knowing was working through that form the formless was expressing this magnificence through this form well guess what we've got to let we've got to put the form in service to that an example from from my own life is when I used to give talks and I used to think, oh man, it's, I was so rigid. It was like, that had to be perfect. And I had to do it this way and that way, and the other way. And I had to, you know, I mean, I even remember like with my TEDx talk, I was talking to one of my girlfriends after who had also done a TEDx and she said, we have to have the talk about the talk. And there was so much rigidity and so much like, oh man, you know, you got to get it right and all these things. And luckily I, I ditched all of that uh, at a certain point in my career. And yeah. one of the things I remember even, you know, fairly recently, I was about to get on stage and a thousand female entrepreneurs out there, this woman who I adore was out there presenting me and listing all the accolades, accolades, things I'd done in the past, et cetera, achievements and stuff. And I purposefully was not listening to that because I didn't want any sort of, you got to perform or you got to, you know, do this thing. I didn't want any of that taking the stage unless it was in service to this intelligence. And I'm telling you, I, I've experienced a lot of really amazing things on stage, but this was just, it was just, you're just, you become a channel, you become a conduit for this intelligence. You become a, uh, a vessel for it, I guess you could say, but here's the beautiful thing. You, you're not annihilated. Your, your sense of ego, your sense of character is not annihilated. In fact, if, 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 if anything, it's magnified. Like my, my ego, I always say, like, don't bash the ego. I love my ego. It's what, it's what puts me in, you know, those corporate 50, you know, those fortune 50 rooms. It's it's what makes me feel like, yeah, hey, whatever, this is fun, right? So, but it's when the ego, when you really become in, in your power, when you really settle back into your power, it's when it's in service to this. It's when it's in knowing that actually you you are, that is the truth of what what you are, okay? It's the formless, the shapeless, the deathless, it's that. Okay. And so anything that the, the, again, the character portrayal is, is in service of that. Wow. Watch out, watch out world. And that does require this deep listening to the point that you were making in your last observations. Like if I go all over for this information, you know, and all, oh, by the way, pretty much everything out there, unless you're listening to someone who's truly invested in, 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 in you discovering your genius, you're probably listening to someone else's priorities. You know, you're probably prioritizing that other person's priorities, and my point is just just stop. Like, literally, I mean, you might you don't again, you don't have to do it all at once, but little by little, start tuning into that to this to these to this intelligence, to this wisdom, to this light, and and let, and see where it takes you because it'll take you in some remarkable places.
0: I absolutely love that. It's like this little positive push to experiment, again, to be a little bit more playful, mm-hmm. and to trust yourself, as you highlighted on so many occasions. Also, thank you so much for mentioning the ego. <laughs> it's, it's word that I use quite frequently as well, and I'm being very mindful that ego is often used as something so negative. And as it has, as literally everything, its ups and downs. And you already uh, mentioned how ego helps you. And, you know, gets you into that game. When does ego get annoying?
1: When you don't realize that's not what you are. You know, the ego is actually just a lowercase self. It's the presentation. Okay. It's the presentation. It's the, it's the nice box. <laughs> it's a nice box around the gift that's inside. And it will. It could be a nice box. It could be a crappy box. Like I don't know. Whatever. It's 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 the box. Okay. It's holding the truth, uh, or it's encapsulating that truth for this brief moment in time. It, again, we, we could play around with the whole space-time continuum. That thing gets really trippy. But here's here's the other thing. Precisely to what you're saying a moment ago. We, if we recognize that we're playing, and that the ego or the ego is can just we can just have that as, as an expression within this play, we begin to really free ourselves. Okay. So we begin to really see that, that none of that is really, none of this is really that important. (laughs) That sounds terrible. It sounds frightening. And most people be up in arms. Most people, when they hear it, they're like, what do you mean? It's so important. It's fine. Fine. I'm not going to challenge you on that. I'm not going to challenge you that my, if anything i'm just going to stand here still as that example of maybe there's another way and i think the more each and every one of us does that the more actually the whole body will come into a state of health and well-being i mean if we if we look at it not just from a metaphysical perspective but from a physical from a you know quantum perspective it's one intelligence it's one intelligence And the individual cells of that intelligence can, they're they're all doing their own thing, but there is so much also intelligence in that individual cell. And when you start to come into contact with that, you will understand what it really meant to split the atom. You will understand what it means to have this unharnessed power. And you will enjoy the fact that, yeah, in the meantime, it's in this teeny, teeny living space, as uh, uh, the genie in the bottle put it. And you just say, okay, fine. That's fun, too.
0: <laughs> and again, the, the childlike playfulness is coming out here um, <laughs> as you, at the moment, can't see Courtney, speak about it. Now, I've, I'm trying to picture yourself with the Fortune 50 leaders, for example, in a room or working individually with them and speaking about the fun, the energy, the letting go, and so many other topics that we already touched upon. Ego, perhaps, as well. And I have no doubt that you co-create transformation with these people Mm. I do however wonder how how you go about it you already gave a few stories um how you go about it what are the key challenges that you notice perhaps some pushbacks on top of the ones you mentioned already but most importantly what are the results that they are seeing when they have worked with you well okay so
1: you're reminding me recently, someone was kept saying to me, um, I want to help them. I, I I need to, I need to show them there's a better way. I want to help. I want to help and all this stuff. And one of the things I said was you don't teach anybody anything. There's nothing, there's nothing that I can teach you. Okay. So I can't give you the five ways. I can't say, well, I did it this way. So you try and it's a great recipe. And, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it'll get you somewhere. The recipe will take you somewhere. It'll create something, it will. But the recipe is nothing compared to just settling into like, wow, actually, I'm all of it. So instead of that cake, I'm um, I'm every cake ever made ever made. I'm I'm all of it. So when you settle into like the vastness of that. This game actually does, it it is kind of like game over. So, but here's what I mean by we don't teach anything, anyone, anything. So lots of times people think they have to go into these environments, like the corporate environment, and they have to distill this learning down to, you know, whatever. And they have to get people to get certain results and everything. I don't go in there with any of that. None of that. There's a beautiful line in the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna says, he who teaches one who does not wish to learn is performing an immoral act. And besides, they can't hear you anyway. If you think someone, you meaning we, think someone needs to be saved, we've missed the mark. Missed the mark entirely. Nobody needs my saving. Nobody needs me to tell them what to do. Or or you or anyone else for that matter, okay? But what we are craving for, what we do recognize immediately as truth, is the being. When you are it, you actually don't even have to say anything. And that leads to spontaneous results in your life and the lives of those around you, because you are it and you know it. And that's the difference. Someone was asking me recently, because I uh, last year I gave a talk on Richard Branson's private island on Necker Island. And it was a small leadership gathering. And Someone said, like, well, what's it like, you know, uh, being with someone like that, you know, you know and, and what's the difference between someone like Richard and someone like that? And I'm like, the, the difference, as far as I can tell, is that, you know, we're all it, only he knows he's okay. it. And and that's as far as I can tell, is a real difference. So if you're around that freedom, but you don't even have to be like constantly exposed to, you know, people like that, you could just be hey, look, I uh, I think there's a lot of distraction out there. I think there's a lot of confusion. Let me actually get with this intelligence within me. And maybe let me just make a little priority of it, a little bit here, a little bit there. Let me just see how much I can kind of get with this and groove with it. And there's no right or wrong way of doing that. It's literally just your intention and your devotion to it that will make the change. And again, the results, the results, <laughs> it's funny because people always think they want to be somewhere but you're there. It's like Dorothy with the slippers all along. You know, they think they have to get something. They got to, they got to be someone. This is one of the biggest lies we were ever told. It's a lie. It's a fabrication. You will spontaneously awaken to the knowing that you are all of it when you allow that awareness to emerge within your being. And then of course, everything and everyone you touch will, will, will feel that. And then they will start to feel it within themselves more and more. That's the activation. That's the result, which is the, it's the result, non-result. It's just the, wow. Oh, wow. I was all of it. And I didn't know hilarious. Most people get to the very end of their life when they realize that, you know, they're on their deathbed or you hear that in, in near death stories. Like, oh my God, I was all of it. There's this, vastness. hey, guess what? That's actually available to you right now. And it's not just available to people, Papo or whomever else. It's available to all of us. Voila, simply. Simply.
0: <laughs> really, really simply. Here we are. Uh, and here we might be distracting us with, you know, seeking the next shiny thing and seeking that and seeking this and actually not even noticing who we already are mm-hmm. and everything we are. Mm-hmm. And giving ourselves yeah. a bit of inner peace. Mm. Oh yes, I love that word, peace.
1: Yeah. Because it's not so much the, the desire of the thing, that's fine. You know, it's not I I don't really um when Buddha was talking about desire being a trap and um and the uprooting of desire being liberation, I think what he was really talking about is the desires that we say, if I if I don't have this thing, I can't be happy. If I don't have this person, if this person doesn't behave in this way, if this thing doesn't go, if I don't get that promotion. Then I can't be fulfilled. I can't be happy. That is the trap. That is the toxicity. That is what we need to free ourselves from. The thing in itself is like, oh, fine. I'm here in this form. I want to experience form. I want to experience these sensations. There can be times in your life. There have been times for me where I've had. I've been. I felt so awakened that I was like, I have absolutely zero desire. Zero. Zero. I don't. I. I <laughs> and I feel no need to talk. And I wrote about wrote about that actually in a section of this last book. And that's also a possibility. But in the meantime, we are here to play in the form with these sensations, with these senses, and these in this sensory awareness. So have fun with that too. Just remember that it's uh, it is play,
0: Lila. You may already have answered that last question that I'm going to throw you away. And we have so nicely moved into the space of playfulness and fun from time to time. But you indeed talked about fun in your second book, Give Yourself Permission. And as I mentioned earlier on, I loved it. I was literally like the little child running around a Christmas tree when I saw that. You dedicated, you know, part of this book to fun and yeah, I would love for you to share a little bit more about your thinking um, around fun and as to whether we need to give ourselves permission to have a little bit more fun in, in life and, and on our path and on our journey of discovery. Yeah, oh my gosh. You know, I tell you, this is this was,
1: for me, this is the heart. It still can be. I can still run in the trap of like, man, what am I doing? You know, I'm forgetting this part. But I've seen this with so many high performing women, especially really with women more than men. I've seen it so much more with women than men. This inability, it's, it's to a point where many of them will say, I don't even know how to have fun. I don't know. And I was there. I was there. I was like, I don't even know what that would look like for me. I don't even know what I would do just for fun because everything that i was doing was to get somewhere so i tell you my secret and it is the ultimate secret for me it was like oh it was hilarious when i figured this out was man i had all this efforting all this efforting all this efforting and it was in the moment where i was like can i swear on this podcast
0: yes of course
1: <laughs> i was like fuck it i'm just not going to get there you know because it was with the deepest truest actually aspirations but they were aspirations and it was that seeking it was that trying it was all this programming that we have go out and get it and make it happen and all these things and it was exhausting and I would maybe get there oftentimes I would actually but I would just be exhausted And I remember there was this critical point and I have so many stories that I could tell to illustrate this, but it was this point where (laughs) I would start to like follow that intelligence and I would just be like, okay, fine. You know, like I said earlier, I'm going rogue, right? Okay, fine. I'm going to go for it. And then it would sort of like get really upset because I would say, well, what is this? I don't even know where I am. Why did I come here? What, What am I doing? You know, whatever. And it was funny because it started to spontaneously emerge in me where I just got really goofy, like, okay, fine, whatever, you know, like, okay, whatever. I I don't know what this is. And then bam, bam, I would have these experiences that I can't describe with any sort of rational explanation. And I would have instantaneous changes, all these things that I talk about there in that second book, but it was opening up to this playfulness of like, like I said, I don't know. I have no idea, but and I've spent so much time trying to convince myself that I do. And I've exhausted myself so thoroughly that guess what? Now I give up. It's a little bit like a little kid that you see is so upset. And then all of a sudden they just like, crumble and then the <laughs> next thing you know they're laughing and they're playing like it's a little bit like that. It was and I I remember even recently I went to this place. I thought I was uh I, I went there because I was basically got this message that I was supposed to be there. And I remember just being so like, what the heck am I doing? I was real upset. It, it wasn't that recent, but I was real upset. And then all of a sudden I just had this conversation with God. I was like, okay, God, why'd you bring me here? What is all this? And then I like I said, I was just getting a little flippant, but in a really kind of playful way. And then And then next thing I know, all the things that I had been, that I had thought were what were bringing me there just spontaneously happened. All of them, one right after another. And it was just in that playfulness. It was in that like relaxed, I trust, and I'm going to just enjoy this thing because I don't know where any of it's going. Yeah. And it's just like, for now that I'm like, oh man, now I'm just trying to, not trying to, but now I'm just relaxing. I, I'm, I'm constantly reminding myself, okay, relax, reset, relax, <laughs> like whatever it is. And there's just so
0: much uh, excitement and, and goodness in that. I I was just nodding a little bit and shaking my head, not shaking my head, but, but nodding and moving my head because I spoke about that in, on the podcast so frequently. And that is this sense of only when it feels hard, does it feel deserving? What Mm -hmm. you you just described is this, ah, when it feels actually quite easy and simple, and we can be in a state of flow, man, can we be good, and Mm -hmm. at our best, and Uh, It's one of my missions to help individuals. I work a lot with female leaders in particular to say, when you are in this beautiful spot where it feels easy, don't question yourself that it feels far too easy. Enjoy it because it probably is that sweet spot you are in when you are really, really good at something and enjoy it at the same time. I'm delighted that you mentioned that example.
1: Yeah, it's also a frequency thing. You know, it's it's even where your brainwave frequencies are. If you think something has to be hard and you're really struggling, pedal to the metal, you're in the wrong frequency. And it's not just your brain, but your body. Like everything is uh, the best thing I've ever heard it described is you got a four gear race car and you're in first gear. Just relax and you'll see you go into second, you go into third. I mean, this is happening spontaneously for us all the time when we go in and out of waking states. It's like, you can manufacture that by just relaxing. That's it. It's it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. But as Da Vinci put it, simplicity is the ultimate yeah. sophistication. So it oftentimes is the first to get overlooked. And, um, and it, either you'll hear it or you won't. But if you do or if something resonates, go back. You know, I, I often tell people, don't go on to the next thing. Go back. If something resonated, go back, go back, go back until it becomes yours, until the awareness and the knowing,
0: the understanding of it is yours. It's not someone else's, it's yours. Courtney, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, and I wouldn't be surprised if quite a few of the listeners say, I want to talk more to Courtney. I want to learn more from and with her. So how can people get in touch with you? Mm. Well, Courtney, my name ha-
1: is without a U. So if you look for me anywhere online, it's C O R T N E Y. Uh, and I am on Instagram at Courtney McDermott and also LinkedIn at Courtney McDermott. I'd love for people to connect with me on both those platforms. I share I share some stuff I think is, again, aligned with all of this. If you're in that place where you're wanting a deep remembrance, uh, I share there. My website is courtinc.com or courtneymcdermott.com. The books are available wherever books are sold. Uh, I've also done a lot of smaller publications for some, of well, big, big publications, but just small writings for some big publications if you're into more bite-sized. But the books are pretty bite-sized too. It's a good place to start. Um, I give talks kind of all around the world. I would love to see anyone from your audience there. And um, I don't have any public ones coming up, but when I do, I'll definitely share information about that. For now, all the ones that are slated for the rest of this year and the beginning of next are all private. But, um, but yeah, and I I, I hardly do any one on one work anymore It's a long waiting list. But uh, yeah, I really love to connect with people and hear their stories. We've had hundreds of stories come through about people's experience with, especially with the second book, and yeah, having sort of some spontaneous revolutionary. Sort of awakenings and understanding. So I love to hear about those, and I get a lot of. Um, I, I try to read all of them personally. So um, yeah, love to hear what everyone's everyone's uh, experiences and even in general what you got going on and the result of listening to this
0: so that was quite an invitation to all of you to connect to get in touch to share your experiences with the books uh, as well with Courtney um go to italy perhaps north of italy you know explore some nice new spaces see how courtney fills her life with those all oh, those beautiful people and things around her and activities and so on and by the way i can't wait to see what else is gonna uh, come our way from Courtney. I can't wait to hear the songs, to see the lyrics, and much much more. I'm pretty sure.
1: Same, and you are la benvenuta. So come and drink some wine with us. I you you gotta get out. You gotta get up over here. So yeah, you're my guest.
0: It's a stone throw away, one hundred percent, and I don't say that lightly. Thank you so much for the wonderful invitation thank you so much for being a fantastic and inspiring guest here on the show and for all of you out there book number one change starts within you start with that book number two give yourself permission and what an amazing subtitle be confident be happy be you all these wonderful topics we discussed here today but i promise you there are found more nuggets in those books than what we have been able to cover here on the show So get those books, enjoy them, and let us know how you felt about them and what you took away. Thank you so much again and have a wonderful day, a wonderful remaining week. Take good care of yourselves and live life fully. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Legendary Leaders podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then remember to subscribe to the show either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music or my website www.kathleenmerkel.com I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about what topics really resonated with you and how you're enjoying the show in general. Perhaps you have some ideas for additional topics, something that you're truly curious about. Please do leave your review on Apple Podcasts as well. It would mean the world to us. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Take good care. Bye.